The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoke Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is from Marcus Aurelius' Meditations, Book 4, Chapter 48. Think constantly how many doctors have died after knitting their brows over their own patients. How many astrologers after predicting the deaths of others, as if death were something important. How many philosophers after endless deliberation on death or immortality. How many heroes after the many others they killed. How many tyrants after using their power over men's lives with monstrous insolence, as if they themselves were immortal. Think too how many whole cities have died. Helike, Pompeii, Herculaneum, innumerable others. Go over now all those you have known yourself, one after the other. One man follows a friend's funeral and is then laid out himself. Then another follows him, and all in a brief space of time. The conclusion of all this? You should always look on human life as short and cheap. Yesterday, sperm. Tomorrow, a mummy or ashes. So no, so one should pass. So one should pass through this tiny fragment of time in tune with nature and leave it gladly, as an olive might fall when ripe, blessing the earth which bore it, and grateful to the tree which gave it growth. Okay, so this is a very good poetic example of uh, of. Marcus Rillis, uh reflecting on the classic Stoic theme of, me- of memento mori, of uh, being cognizant of your uh, your own mortality. Um, and uh, I want to divide it into two halves. The first half being the examples he gave or the different ways he stated the idea. And then the uh, the last part, which is the moral of, uh, of the story, so to speak. So in the first part, it sounds like he's referencing or it sounds like he's emphasizing there's the, the irony, right, that doctors spend their whole lives. Um, you know, trying to prevent their patients' deaths and thinking about death, and then they themselves die. Astrologers also try to help people avoid death, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I was trying to think, what is the main, what, what's the point, what point is he getting at? Like, he's not just saying, remember that you're going to die. He's saying, look at all these people who are involved with death, you know, in their careers or in their uh, their their values, their life plans, and uh, and they too die. So like, what's the point of the irony? So this is speculation, but perhaps what he's saying is that there is a fantasy that talking about or facing or dealing with death will somehow make you immune to it. <laughs> you know, like if I like, in other words, the doctor who uh, um, I, I actually, I, you know, it's funny. I forgot if he actually says this here, but there's this great book, um, When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanith. Kalanithi, I'm not trying to say it, uh, about this doctor who got, um, who was diagnosed with, uh, with, he, he was a neurosurgeon and he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And he basically wrote about how that experience uh, changed, you know, flipped his mentality in terms of uh, the way he looked at, at his craft and at his life and at his patients. I actually have to go back and reread it to see what he says, but I can imagine a doctor in that position kind of feeling like, a, a certain amount of injustice. Like, what do you mean? I spent my whole life trying to prevent people from dying and you're telling me I'm dying. And, uh, and so that's, I, it sounds to me like that's what Marcus Aurelius is really commenting on is that, yep, <laughs> everyone is going to die. And the fact that you strive to exert control over death and that you think about it and you work on it, that's not going to exempt you from death. Okay. So that, that's one possibility. Another possibility is that, um, or something I was thinking of, you know, uh, someone, uh, a friend of mine asked me recently, like, has has doing the Stoic Jew podcast um, uh, over the last year, year and a month, uh, um, 
changed your your feelings about death, your attitude towards death? And so uh, I told him I would answer it on this podcast episode. The answer is yes, no, and I have no idea. Okay, the yes is uh, definitely I am thinking about death much more. Um, you know, every day uh, because of the Stoic View podcast, and also because of the various practices that I've um, incorporated into my life of the the Talus meditation on death uh, and the Stoic uh, medallion uh, and, uh, and mezuzah and a bunch of other things I've talked about on the podcast. So, so definitely I've been thinking about death much more and I'm hoping that that has an effect. Uh, no, in the sense that, um, that, uh, you know, uh, there, well, okay. I guess I'll say that no, in the sense that, that I, I'm not confident in saying that I have any more of a real sense of my own mortality. I mean, I think that's a, that's a large mountain to climb. And, uh, and I don't think that, pure intellectualizing or even emotional experiences that I've had of, uh, you know, like, um, my momentum mori moment that I made the episode about earlier in the summer. Uh, I, I don't think, uh, I, I doubt that that has actually like made my own mortality more real to me at this point. And then the, I don't know part comes from the fact that you just never know how you're going to react to death, uh, until it happens. And I don't, I don't mean your own death. I mean, when someone, when someone else dies, you know, someone close to you, you know, a lot depends on the relationship, on the circumstances, on how it hits you. And, and the best example I can give of this is there was a girl named Claire Wineland. Uh, I um, found her YouTube channel when I was teaching Kohelis. Uh, she was a teenager at the time. Um, and she basically was um, diagnosed at a very, very early age with cystic fibrosis. And her parents were, were told that, you know, she's not going to make it past. I forgot what the year was past the age of five, you know. And she made it past five and they said, okay, not past seven. She made it past seven. Okay. Not past nine. She made it past nine. And it wasn't just a thing where she was, you know, just, uh, you know, just made it through. She was constantly involved in, in endless treatments and surgeries and, 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 and procedures. And she spent the vast majority of, you know, her time in a hospital or in medical care. And so she really grew up with death hovering over her you know, that you could die at any moment. And she makes videos about this. I, I encourage you to check them out, Claire Wineland. Um, and uh, and she actually did, uh, she did quote unquote die once. Uh, I forgot how old she was, but uh, I think, you know, she was clinically dead and uh, and and she, she came out of that. Um, and uh, uh, unfortunately she did, uh, she did actually uh, die, uh, I think three years ago. She had finally gotten the opportunity to get a lung, double lung transplant, I believe. And that would have, that would have basically, you know, had a chance of, uh, of significantly prolonging her life. Um, and, uh, and she died, uh, I believe after the, uh, the operation, um, uh, before, uh, before waking up, you know? Uh, so in one of her last videos, she talks about the fact about how terrified she is of dying, you know? And this is someone who has spent her whole life preparing to die and talking about her own death and actually dying, you know? This was what her life was made up of. And it, you know, this one shift of the fact that there was now hope that she could have had lungs and and lived a, a you know, a fuller life, that's what awakened a fear of death that she hadn't had before, you know? So I'm, I'm using this as a, as a proof. Uh, I mean, not that you need a proof, but I'm using this as an example of, of how you no amount of preparation uh, and thinking about dying can actually 
predict how you're going to react to the notion of your own death or to someone else's death. And, and I think she was a good example because she literally spent every day talking and thinking about death for, for her whole life, ever since she was a little child, you know? Okay. So that takes care of the first half. But now this last part here where he says, um, uh, the conclusion of this, you should always look on human life as short and cheap. Yesterday, sperm, tomorrow, a mummy or ashes. Uh, so one should pass through this tiny fragment of time in tune with nature and leave it gladly as an olive might fall when ripe, blessing the earth which bore it and grateful to the tree which gave it growth. So I immediately thought of the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, um, uh, chapter 3, Mishnah 1, which is uh, Akavya ben Mahalal al-Omer. So Akavya, uh, the son of Mahalal, says, avera. Uh, Contemplate three things and you will not come to sin. Da me'ain basa. So you should know from where you come, from whence you come. Uh, you should know to where you are going, and you should know before whom you, in the future, will have to give um, a uh, judgment and reckoning. basa, where do you come from? from a putrid drop, i.e., from sperm. and where are you going? Limakom afar, rima of a to a place of of uh, of, of dust, uh, worm, and maggot. And for, before whom are you going to have to give an accounting? Before uh, the king, the king of kings, the holy one, blessed is he. So it's funny, uh, uh, if you compare that statement with Marcus Aurelius, uh, Marcus Aurelius got two out of those three, right? From uh, You came from sperm, and you're going to go to the grave. Uh, but Marcus Aurelius did not have um, anything about God or about Din uh, about about reckoning. Uh, he his moral of the story, Marcus Aurelius's, was being in line with nature, which you could argue has to do. That's his version of being in line with God's will, but he doesn't express it that way. Uh, and then gratitude of um, and uh, an acceptance of of death when the time comes, like an olive naturally ripening and falling off of the tree. Um, so, but our our moral of the story, uh, the, at least the way Akavi ben Mahalala says it, is. Um, is that you will uh, uh, not come into avera? You won't. Uh, you won't uh, uh, transgress. Um, and actually, I want to read the Ramam and the Meiri on this. But before I do that, I want to read. There's another drasha on this, which is a pretty good one in uh, in Yerushalmi Sota two two. Uh, and this is a drasha on the pasuk in Kohelas that says Uzhor es boracha bimei bechurosacha ad asher lo yavau yimei harav yigiu shanim asher tomer enli behem chayfetz. So the pasuk says in Kohelas twelve one, remember your Creator in the days of your youth, uh, before the days of of evil come or the days of bad come, the bad days come, and you arrive at years about which you say I don't have any desire in them. Okay, so um, the the Torah Tamima in his commentary on this points out that that there is a redundancy here or a um, strangeness. Bor Echa, your creator, has an extra Yud, and the Aleph doesn't have a the right vowel under it, doesn't have a Patach, and the Resh also doesn't have a Patach under it. So based on, on those uh, textual anomalies, then the Talmud Yerushalmi uh, expounds and says, so it quotes Akavya bin Mahalalel, and then it says, Ushlosha darasha Akavya mitoch teva achas. All three of these uh, these things of remembering where you came from, where you're going, and before whom you're going to give uh, reckoning, uh, Akavya ben Halalel uh, expounded from one word, Uzachor es borecha. Remember your borecha, okay? Your um, in the pasuk, your creator, okay? But then he he darshaned it. Remember your um, your beercha 
Oh, I'll, I'll read it here. I'll read the whole thing. Uh, he says, Be'ercha, um, Borcha, and Bora'acha. Okay. Be'ercha, literally your well, means Mimakum Shabasa, the place where you came from. Okay. Uh, meaning sperm. Borcha, your pit. Lamakum Shataholik, that's the place where you're going, uh, meaning your grave. And then Bora'acha, your creator, Okay, so it's a cute little drusha there on remembering death. And again, this is literally one of the psukim that is the literal memento mori about remembering your death. That's what that whole parak, uh, 12th chapter in Koalas is about, is remembering your death. So it fits in very well with Stoicism. Okay, so the Ramam here on this Mishnah in Avos 3.1 says... Um, uh, this contemplation uh, will bring a person to humility when he contemplates where he comes from. So he's saying, remembering that you came from uh, from from a drop of sperm should make you humble. Okay, um, uh, we'll elaborate on that in a second. Visbonono al tachliso, and if he, when he contemplates his end, yavi zilzul that will will bring him to. Uh, to despise, to downplay, to reject uh, uh, worldly matters. Vis bonono, sorry, my watch alarm. Vis bonono bigdulas hametzave yavi oso lemaher lekayim mitzvaso. And contemplating the greatness of the commander of God will bring him to hasten to fulfill his mitzvos, his commandments. Vakasher yusugu shloshes adavim halalu lo yechadaklal. And when he attains these three things, he will not sin at all. Uh, the Meiri says the same thing as the Rama, but he elaborates a little bit more. And I think we have to end here because I have to go to give Shir in a little while. Uh, uh, Kavi ben Malala says, Shlosha Dvarim Elo Yevihe, oh, sorry, this is um, the Meiri. Shlosha Dvarim Elo Yevihe Lihishtado Bamidos Uvatora Ad Shiagilashlemos. These three things will bring you to strive in in ethical perfection and in Torah until you reach perfection. Shazachiraso Shabamitibasrucha Yevihe Lihishamramin Hagava Shihishurash Hamidos Araos. Uh, remembering that you came from a putrid drop will bring you to guard yourself against haughtiness, arrogance, or egotism, which is the root of all bad character traits. Got to think about that one a little bit more. And contemplating his end and and uh, his knowledge that he will go to a place of worms and maggots, that will cause him to degrade worldly possessions. And his contemplation of the fact that in the future he'll have to give a, a, a judgment and an accounting of all of his actions before God, that will cause bring him to strive in Torah and in fulfilling his mitzvos. So when he says... Where did you come from? So the putrid drop. He does not just mean that you came from sperm. He says, think about your your lowliness, your pachisuso, due to the the work of your uh, your your orifices and and uh, and uh, you know um, uh, body parts uh, and other things. Hanim asim shabo od like basically the disgusting aspects of your body that that enable you to live. Um, we You know what? I'm realizing this is too long for now, and I really have to go now. Uh, and I don't want to re-record this. So let's just cut it off here. Uh, and you can think about it. Um, think about it on your own about how these things uh, can bring you to uh, uh, to the results that the Ramam and the Meiri talked about of of humility that's coming from a future drop, and then from uh, uh, and then to despising worldly possessions or material success. That's knowing where you're going to the grave. I guess you can't take anything mm-hmm. with you. And then um, and then the fact that you're gonna have to give reckoning before God. And 
let's think about the difference between, you know, Marcus really is his moral of the story of just being grateful to God and living in line with nature versus the Torah's, uh, you know, thing, which is not just living in line with nature, but actually living according to the regimen that God gave us to perfect ourselves as human beings um, and the responsibility that we've been charged with, uh, which is why we're going to be subject to uh, an ultimate reckoning. Um, and the fact that all of our actions are a reality that registers uh, before God, so to speak. Okay, that's it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Weiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Torah, Rabbi Torah, Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah content fund, my Venmo is at Matt-Schneeweiss, and my Zelle and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewis at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.